Good morning, church family. Welcome to a beautiful day that God has blessed us with for worship out here at North Campus. It's fabulous to see all you guys. Let's go ahead and begin worship. Feel free to stand. You should have a lyric sheet in your bulletin um, when you came across the field that those our lovely uh, folks gave to you. So you can use those for your lyrics if you need those. So let's go ahead and uh, just begin worshiping together, declaring uh, our commitment to continue to follow God and his faithfulness to us. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. you, 
Well, good morning. It is good to see you. I'm glad that we're here all together this morning and we get to celebrate what God has done. You know, we're talking um, 125 years of this church being in existence. Um, that's tremendous. Um, it is a testimony of God's faithfulness, of His grace. And I know that those of you that have been around for, for a while as part of this church family know that there have been a lot of changes. And you can imagine over 125 years there would be. But God has been faithful and he's been gracious to us as a church family. And uh, so I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in the next 125 years. Are you? <laughs> now, I've realized I'm not going to be here that long. But I'm guessing nobody here will be. But God has a plan for us as he's given um, even those that began this church in 1895 a vision for reaching this community and being a place of worship. I want to read um, out of Psalm 95 this morning for just a second, but um, as we get going and remind you of a couple of things announcement-wise as we get um, head into this fall season. Um, if you'll look over on my left, your right, there are a couple of boxes. Uh, they're decorated for Christmas. That's part of our Operation Christmas Child. You see them? All right, there's actually three boxes total. There's one for the adult group, one for the youth group, and one for children's that will be placed on the stage beginning next week. And we'll collect items according to what it lists in your bulletin insert on the back side of the lyric sheet. Um, there is a place where you can find out what you are to bring. And it's a competition. There's a competition for the decoration of the boxes, but also a competition regarding the amount of materials that will be collected and then packed in November. So, um, so I, want, I want to ask you to step up and fill those boxes to overflowing on Sunday mornings uh, beginning next Sunday morning. Uh, also, just to let you know, we are planning to be in two services for a little while, but in November, our plan, if nothing goes wrong between now and then, is to be in one service on November 22nd when we vote on our budget, but also uh, celebrate Thanksgiving together. So November 22nd in one service. All right, you okay with that? Amen. All right, that was... That's somewhat, okay, uh, this, this may be even better. Next Sunday, we're opening up children's worship and preschool worship. How about that? So there's lots of relief in, right there. Um, the last thing I wanted to let you know is we have a very special guest with us this morning, Dr. Chuck Register, and if you ask him, he'll say, just call me Chuck. Um, he and his wife Charlene are here this morning. He is the... Uh, Associate Executive Director, Treasurer, um, and the Executive Leader of Church Planning and Mission Partnership Group at the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. Uh, he comes to the convention from being in pastoral ministry for 20 years in Mississippi. He, um, he was also at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for about five or six years, from 94 to 99. And... Um, and he is a graduate of the University of Florida. Yeah, there's there's at least two here going, go Gators, maybe two and a half. So um, 
So if you will pray for him as he shares God's word this morning and lift him up, and then as you get a chance to, to see he and Charlene around uh, after church, just um, let them know that they are welcome here at Ebenezer, not just this morning, but anytime. Uh, this is what it says in Psalm 95, and then we'll pray and continue in our worship. It says, O oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And on his hands, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. As I thought about Psalm 95 this morning and our worshiping together as a church family this morning, celebrating what God has done over 125 years, I am wild by what God has done by his, by his hand. So let's go to the Lord and pray and ask him to bless the rest of our time together this morning. Father, we thank you for your graciousness toward us and your faithfulness. God, we thank you that you are awesome, that you are incomparable. Father, that you are um, amazing. And you've given us a chance to gather as a church family in this place this morning and declare praise to you. Father, we thank you for the years that are behind for this church. Father, for leadership, for those that have attended and been faithful over the years. And God, at the same time, we thank you for what is ahead, knowing that you direct the steps of this church and your people. So God, I pray this morning as we continue to worship, as we're challenged from your word, that you would continue to fill this place with your glory. God, we lift up. Dr. Chuck to you this morning and ask that you would speak with authority through him. Father, you'd give him the, the words that you put on his heart. Father, help those to be conveyed and, conveyed and us receive them in the spirit of, of you and, and that we understand that these are words for us to, to soak in. And so, God, we ask that you would do a mighty work this morning to your glory and your, your grace. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. 
church. God, I praise you that we can trust you moving forward to continue to be faithful. God, I pray that we will continue to build our lives upon you, that we will take this church body that you have blessed us with and we'll continue to trust in you and to build our church and the goals and the mission and the focus and the vision on you and your faithfulness and your plans and your purposes. God, uh, we love you this morning. Continue to teach us from your word as we worship through that. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you, Wayne, and praise team for leading us in worship this morning. Pastor Bob, thank you uh, for the invitation to be with Ebenezer Baptist Church on such an exciting, uh, historical day, 125th anniversary. It seems to me that as a congregation that you would just want to respond for just a moment thanking the Father for 125 years of his faithfulness. Would you, would you do that? Just thank the Father for 125 years. Amen. Amen. 125 years of his grace, as your pastor said a moment ago, 125 years of his blessings, uh, how he has been so good to this church family all through those years. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 is going to be our text today. As we're thinking about the theme of legacy, what will be the legacy of Ebenezer Baptist Church? As you're turning, I want to bring you a greeting from the 4,300 North Carolina Baptist churches across our state as they join together to say happy anniversary. And I also want to bring you a greeting from Milton Hollifield, our executive director, treasurer. Uh, he asked me to be sure and, and just express his appreciation to you for the history uh, of being a gospel-focused, gospel-centered congregation in this part of our state. And so we come today celebrating, yes, 125 years, but also, as Pastor Bob said at the beginning of our service, looking to the future. Asking the question, what will be the legacy of Ebenezer Baptist Church? We begin our study of God's Word this morning, Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. I would normally ask you to stand, but you look so comfortable and cozy under your blankets. I won't ask you to do that today. But let's read God's Word together. Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 17. From Miletus... He, speaking of the Apostle Paul, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. 
Now, to really understand the impact of this passage of Scripture, we need to know something about the relationship between the Apostle Paul and the church at Ephesus. Paul planted the church at Ephesus on his second missionary journey. He entered that uh, world-renowned city in its day. He shared the gospel as he walked her streets. Uh, He proclaimed the gospel from the synagogue that was there. He went from house to house teaching and preaching the life-changing message of the gospel. And so in his second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul plants the church at Ephesus. Then on his third missionary journey, the Apostle Paul spent about two to three years, historians tell us, in Ephesus teaching and preaching, testifying and declaring. And so now we come to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to see in the text in a moment that Paul is not going to travel to Ephesus again. So he calls the pastors, the elders of the church at Ephesus, to him at Miletus, about a 30-mile journey, because he wants to give them one final message. And he wants to drive this message home so that the pastors will take the message given by Paul, carry it back to the church at Ephesus for one final greeting by Paul as he lives on this place we call planet Earth. So with that context, listen to what Paul has to say to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He loves this church. He founded this church. He's poured his life and heart for two to three years into this church, and now he has one final message for them. He begins to describe, don't miss this, he begins to describe his legacy in the town of Ephesus. Verse 18, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22. And now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Paul says in verse 25, after this meeting, you'll never see me again. So here's the legacy he wants to leave with the church at Ephesus. Verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Would you join with me as we pray? Father, thank you for this powerful, powerful passage of Scripture that allows us to peek into the life of the Apostle Paul 
and to find there a pastor, an apostle, a church planter, a believer whose life we can use as an example as we march into the next 125-year history of Ebenezer Baptist Church. Father, help us today to be like Paul in the days to come. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Legacy. A lot of different definitions for legacy, but basically a legacy is what people remember about you when you're gone. Everybody has a legacy. Some are good, some are bad, but it's what people remember about you when you're gone. Now think with me. If I say the name Mother Teresa, what pops to mind? Well, you think of someone who spent her entire life serving the poor. If I say to you Martin Luther King Jr., what pops to mind? You immediately begin to think of the civil rights movement, how he poured his life into civil rights for those in our country. If I say to you the name Adolf Hitler, a completely different set of thoughts and images come to mind. Evilness, wickedness, a man personally responsible for the murder of six million Jews through the entire known world into war. So let me ask this question. When you hear the name Ebenezer Baptist Church, what comes to mind? When time ceases to be, when the trumpet sounds and the shout of the archangel is heard, when Ebenezer Baptist Church ceases to exist somewhere out in the distant future, what will those who will remain remember about Ebenezer Baptist Church? Will they remember that she was a friendly congregation? Will they remember that she had a wonderful music program? Will they remember the wonderful sports activities and Awana programs? What is it about Ebenezer Baptist Church that people are going to remember in the distant future when Christ comes again, the church is called into glory, and this congregation ceases to exist? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you this morning to make it your goal, to make it your mission, to make it your purpose as a congregation to leave a legacy like we see in the Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture. Paul is very plain to say to the church at Ephesus, I I leave a memory for you. I leave a legacy, if you will. And the legacy is stated for us very clearly as we look at verses 25 through 27. Look at Paul as he states his legacy, verse 25. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Here's his legacy. I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now, when Paul makes that statement, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, he's not speaking about physical blood. He's speaking in the spiritual realm. And what Paul is saying is, In my ministry at Ephesus, I have been so faithful to preach and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that when everyone from Ephesus dies and finds themselves before the master judge in heaven, they will not be able to declare 
that Paul did not communicate the gospel of Christ. He's been faithful to share Jesus. He's been faithful to call men to repentance. He's been faithful to communicate the life-transforming message of the gospel. And so on Judgment Day, as men and women, boys and girls from Ephesus, stand before the Father, they will have no excuse because Paul is innocent of the blood of all men. He's been too faithful to preach the gospel. He's been too faithful to share the gospel. He's been too faithful to teach the gospel for the Ephesians to have any excuse as they stand before the Father. He is innocent of the blood of all men. Is that the legacy of Ebenezer Baptist Church? If something catastrophic were to happen today and and this congregation and this church were to cease to exist on this Sunday afternoon with those who are left behind in Durham County and Orange County surrounded by this church field would they be able to say on judgment day we have no excuse because the congregation known as Ebenezer was so faithful to preach the gospel, so faithful to teach the gospel, we have heard of forgiveness of sin in Christ. We have heard of the gift of life everlasting in Jesus. We have been told that there is abundant life found only in Christ. We have no excuse because of the faithfulness of Ebenezer Baptist Church. You have to ask the question, will that be your legacy? I want to remind you this morning that that was your beginning. Pastor Bob was so kind to email me uh, some fascinating pages from the minutes of the meeting where this church became a congregation. 1895, 125 years ago, you were birthed into existence, and the minutes of that meeting were fascinating reading to me. Listen how those minutes begin. It says, Durham County, North Carolina, October the 24th, 1895. This is to certify that the following named brethren and sisters have this day by mutual agreement been organized into, listen to this, a missionary Baptist church. Not a Southern Baptist church, though the Southern Baptist church existed. Not a North Carolina Baptist church, though the North Carolina Baptist Convention existed. They were organized into a missionary Baptist church. Now, that says to me, ladies and gentlemen, that in your beginning, Ebenezer Baptist Church had a heart for the mission of God. That They wanted to be known as a congregation who went forth in the community declaring the message of the cross in the empty tomb that their heart was to make sure that everyone who lived in this part of North Carolina came face to face with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They wanted to be known as a missionary Baptist church. Not just a church that gathers to worship, not just a church that is friendly with one another and loves those within the family. They wanted to be on mission for the kingdom of God. They wanted to be a missionary Baptist church. That is Paul's legacy stated to the church at Ephesus. Will it be your legacy? Well, I want to show you from Scripture this morning how you can create that kind of legacy. 
we look at the life of Paul and we see three aspects of Paul's life in this passage of Scripture that allowed him to create the legacy where he could say with all confidence and all honesty, I am innocent of the blood of all men. It is your heritage as a beginning with your congregation. Will it be the legacy that you leave behind? Paul gave us a legacy stated. I want you to see in the rest of our time together this morning what I'm calling a legacy created. How do you create a legacy? You see, here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. One day, each and every one of us are going to stand before the Father And we're going to give an account of how we've lived the Christian life on this earth. I'll stand before the Lord. My wife, Charlene, will stand before the Lord. And each of you who are gathered here today will stand before the Lord and we will give an account. Will we be able to say we are innocent of the blood of all men? That we have been so faithful to communicate the gospel message that everyone around us has no excuse about what they've done with Jesus. A legacy created. Look with me, first of all, beginning verse 17, and I want us to see to create the kind of legacy we want to live and leave behind, we have to demonstrate, there has to be a demonstration of a certain kind of life we must live. Verse 17. Let's look at this idea of demonstration. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day. Paul said, from the first day I arrived in Ephesus. I I didn't take a few days to rest. I didn't plan to begin a few months after my arrival. But Paul says, from the very first day I stepped foot in in Ephesus, look what he says. You yourselves know from the first day I stepped foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. The word whole time there, ladies and gentlemen, means every day. Remember I said at the beginning, Paul spent in his third missionary journey two to three years with Paul. Every day he's with the people of Ephesus. Every night he's with the people of Ephesus. The whole time. And here comes verse 19. Here's how you begin to create this legacy. You yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord. I want us to camp out there for just a few moments. This word serving comes from a Greek word that is the word doulos. A doulos is a bondservant. A doulos is a person who awakens every morning and realizes they have no rights of their own, but they have a full life of responsibilities to their master. Paul says, you know, from the very first day I arrived in Ephesus and every day thereafter, the entire time I was with you, I was serving the Lord. I was a doulos, Paul says, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I ask you a question this morning? If I were to walk through this crowd and just engage each of you in conversation, and if I were to ask you the question, tell me about yourself, what would you say? 
Now, some of you would say, well, I'm, I'm uh, NC uh, State Wolfpack born and bred, and you'd be celebrating yesterday. And some of you might say, well, I'm, I'm a Tar Heel. My family's Tar Heels. We don't wear any other shade of blue but Tar Heel blue. Most of you would probably look to Coach K and begin to talk about how, how proud you are to be a Blue Devil. You would begin to tell me about yourself. You might tell me about your occupation. You, you might say that you're a school teacher, or I see one of our highway patrolmen here today. Thank you, brother, for your service on our highways and our streets. Amen. You might have another occupation that you would tell me about, but if I said to you, but tell me about your identity here at Ebenezer. What would you say? We're talking about creating a legacy. Most people, when I ask that question, tell me about your, your role here at the church, I hear things like, I'm a deacon. I'm a part of the praise team. I teach Sunday school. May I just say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that this text tells us that our identity as a follower of Christ that is a, a hierarchy of privilege and authority. No, you and I, as followers of Christ, awaken every morning and we recognize that we have no rights, but we have many responsibilities before our master. And ultimately, our responsibility is to bring honor and glory to him. Amen? And so if we're going to begin to create a legacy in which we can be proud on Judgment Day as people look back in this area and say, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. We have to let this community see us living as bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they see us living as bondservants of Christ, here's what they'll see. They'll see a bondservant who loves the Lord God with all of his mind, heart, soul, and strength and loves his neighbor as himself. Paul begins in this passage of Scripture, and he says, I'm a doulos. Now, I, I want you to really see that this is Paul's heart. Keep your finger in Acts chapter 20. Come with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. You see, when we think about the Apostle Paul, we, we think of next to Jesus the most important character of all the New Testament. He founded many of the churches that we read about in Scripture. He was the planter. He was used by the Holy Spirit to write most of the New Testament, 13 books that we use as our, our Bible. But I want you to see that this concept of a bondservant is at the center of Paul's heart. Look on the Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I, I'm not a church planter. I'm not a preacher of the gospel. I, I'm not the leader of the New Testament church. Paul said, I'm just a bondservant. Come with me. Keep turning over in your New Testament. Come with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Just keep turning right over in the New Testament. You'll come to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul's writing to the church at Galatia. Look what he says in verse 10. For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God. Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Let me show you one more. 
turn right on over in your New Testament and come with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, there are multiple additional passages in the Scripture where Paul says, you want to know who I am? Ultimately, I'm a bondservant of Christ. And if we as a congregation are going to leave the right biblical New Testament legacy for this part of North Carolina to see, we must have the same attitude. Bondservants of Christ. So there's demonstration. Secondly, I want you to see, come back with me to Acts chapter 20. I want you to see proclamation. To be able to be innocent of the blood of all men, there must be not just demonstration, a bondservant of Christ, there must be proclamation. Look with me, verse 20. Paul says, how I did not shrink from three words I want you to notice. Number one, declaring to you anything that was profitable. And number two, teaching you publicly from house to house. And number three, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks. Paul said, I was declaring, I was teaching, and I was testifying. Those three words are participles in the text. It means to do something over and over and over and over and over. Paul said, the entire time I was with you, I was teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. I was declaring and declaring and declaring. I was testifying and testifying and testifying. From the first day through the entire two to three years that I lived with you, declaring, teaching, testifying. And what was his message? Come back to the text. Let's see. Look with me. Verse 21. Here's his message. Solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says the heart of my message repentance toward God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I would say to you, that is the message of Ebenezer. It is the message of this congregation to Orange County and Durham County. It is the message of this congregation for everyone who calls this church field home. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to leave a legacy as a congregation in which you can one day stand before the Father and say, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, you must take to every household in your church field this message, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that message mean? You've been a part of a New Testament church to know that repentance means to turn around. It literally means to be traveling in one direction in your life, and, and you come to the point where you say enough is enough. I'm headed in the wrong direction. I'm traveling the wrong road. And you literally do a 180-degree turn and begin to travel in a different direction. In the New Testament, the word repentance means to be walking away from God with your decisions, with your desires, with your purpose in life, traveling away from God, leaving him behind. And all of a sudden, you come to the place where you understand your guilt of sin. You understand that your own direction in life, your own choices in life, 
your violation of God's holy word, that sin is the wrong direction, and you turn from that sin, and you begin to live your life moving toward the Father to give him honor and glory. That is the beginning of the gospel message, ladies and gentlemen. We are all guilty of sin. We must turn from sin, turn back to the Father, repentance toward God. And secondly, he speaks of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the second part of Paul's bold message. A faith that says, I know when Jesus died on the cross, he died for my sin. When he shed his blood, his blood was payment for my sin. And I trust his death as payment for my sin. And I invite him to come into my life, take control of my life, and to be my Lord, my master, my savior. I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message that this section of North Carolina desperately needs to hear. Amen? It is the only message that changes a life in the here and now, and it's the only message that changes an eternity for all of time to come. Paul said, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because everywhere I went, I was proclaiming repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see from this text exactly who Paul shared that message with. Come back and look with me, if you will, verse 21. Solemnly testifying, don't miss this next phrase. It, it almost appears to be a throwaway phrase. It almost appears to be a phrase that we just race past. Solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks. There were two types of people in Paul's day. Jews and Greeks. Every person in that part of the world was known as either a Jew or a Greek. What Paul is saying is when he was in Ephesus, this, this message, this proclamation of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was a message he shared with every person in the city. It didn't matter what race. It didn't matter what color. It didn't matter what level of affluence. It didn't matter what level of education. It didn't matter whether they were white collar or blue collar, Republican or Democrat. He shared with everyone this message of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to have the right legacy, when, when time is no more for Ebenezer Baptist Church, if you're going to have the right legacy, it must be a legacy in which you went to every family in your church field, regardless of race, creed, or color, with the message of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I did some research this week. I found out some interesting things about your church field. Did you know Within a three-mile radius of the property that you own, both campuses, there are about 12,000 people living within three miles of your church property. 12,000 people who desperately need to know of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that within three miles of your church, there's a significant pocket of Hispanics and a significant pocket of African Americans? Each of those Hispanic families, each of those African-American families desperately need to hear the life-changing message of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And here's the most interesting statistic of all. Did you know that within three miles of your campus, that 10% of the families speak a language other than English in the home? Let that sink in. 10% of the families speak a language other than English in the home. You see, I'm looking across the congregation this morning as I look across congregations every Sunday across the state of North Carolina. And most, most of our North Carolina Baptist churches, we all look alike. We all speak the same language. We pretty much all have the same skin color. We pretty much all come from the same economic level. We worship with folks like us, and all too often, we only reach folks like us. And Paul is saying in this text, if we're going to stand before the Lord and say, I'm innocent of the blood of all men, it must be all men, regardless of race, creed, and color. And God has placed this congregation uniquely in a strategic location, surrounded by Anglos, yes, surrounded by Hispanics, yes, surrounded by African Americans, yes, surrounded by people who speak a language other than English, yes. And they're waiting for the proclamation of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One last thing I want you to see from this text this morning as we're talking about a legacy created. We've seen demonstration and we've seen proclamation right now. I want us to see what I call determination. You look in this text and Paul was determined to communicate the gospel to every person in Ephesus. Look with me beginning verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility, here it comes, and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Paul's talking about his past. He said, as I went throughout Ephesus, speaking of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes my ministry was filled with tears. Sometimes my ministry was filled with trials. Sometimes my ministry was filled with plots from the Jews to arrest me, to execute me, to destroy me. You remember that famous patches in 2 Corinthians, don't you? Where Paul talks about how many times he's shipwrecked, how many times he's beaten with rods, how many times he's beaten with whips, the nights that he's been hungry, the days that he's faced starvation, the shipwrecks that he's endured. Paul's past was filled with heartache and trial, but he was determined that he had a responsibility before the living Lord Jesus Christ to communicate this life-changing message of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was determined whether his eyes were filled with tears, he was experiencing trials or plots against his safety. He was determined to fulfill his legacy. That was his past. But come back to the text. Look what Paul says about his future. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Paul's determined. Tears, trials, plots in his past, but in his future, the Holy Spirit 
whispers in Paul's ear and says, and there's bonds and afflictions that await you in every city, everywhere you go, Paul. Here's what you have to look forward to, Paul. Not 125th anniversary celebration, not dinner on the grounds with your friends. Paul, what you have to look forward to, bonds and afflictions. Paul, if you're going to continue to communicate repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, bonds and afflictions. But Paul is faithful. He's faithful when there are past tears and trials and plots. He's faithful in the face of future bonds and afflictions. Ebenezer, have you been faithful? Have you been faithful to communicate repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's what I know about 125 years of Baptist history for every congregation. There have been some tears. There have been some trials. And there may have been even a few plots in the past. Amen? I mean, you bring Baptists together, and there's going to be moments of tension in the history of every congregation. There are going to be moments where, where the finances are, are challenged. There are going to be moments where unity is tested. That can be the past of every congregation. It may be our future as well. Who would have thought this time last year that we would be seated in a field, some wearing masks because of a global pandemic called COVID? We don't know what is in our future in the years to come, but what we do know, ladies and gentlemen, is that regardless of what's in our future, bonds or afflictions, we, like Paul, are called to share the message of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what will your legacy be? One day, when this congregation ceases to exist, one day when you stand before the Father in heaven and you give an account for your life as a follower of Christ and your life as a member of Ebenezer Baptist Church, what will be your legacy? Will you be able to stand and say, as a follower of Christ, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I'm innocent of the blood of my neighbors. I'm innocent of the blood of my co-workers. I'm innocent of the blood of my classmates. Because, Father, I was faithful to proclaim repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you as a congregation be able to stand before the Father and say, Orange County, Durham County, 12,000 people within three miles of this property. Father, we as a congregation are innocent of the blood of all men because we've been faithful to communicate repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you join me as we pray? You see, this morning, perhaps you're here, this celebration, the celebration of 125 years of wonderful ministry and history. But perhaps this morning, the Holy Spirit has allowed you to hear afresh and anew this concept 
of repentance from sin, repentance toward God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, making the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. In the moment the praise team will begin to play, I don't know the custom of this congregation, whether that is a, a come forward invitation or, or perhaps you just want to seek out your pastor during the time of lunch today. But if the Holy Spirit is leading you to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, repentance toward God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, would you come to Christ today? Would you just simply pray from your heart, Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I have broken your laws and broken your heart. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me as I turn away from my sin. I repent and I turn back toward God. And I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life to be my Lord, my Master, my Savior. I place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Oh, would you pray that kind of prayer, friend? And would you be willing, as your pastor comes in a moment, to, to come from wherever you are? You, you may be seated at the very back, but would you begin to just make your way and just share with your pastor that today, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is your commitment. Maybe you're here today and you're one of the leaders of Ebenezer Baptist Church, and today you would want to say, on this your 125th anniversary, we recommit ourselves as a church. To be able to one day stand before the Father and say we are innocent of the blood of all men. That is our legacy. And we'll make whatever decision the church needs to make. We'll spend whatever money the church needs to spend. We'll do whatever the church needs to do to be faithful in sharing with everyone, Anglos, Hispanics, African Americans, those who speak a language other than English, repentance toward God, in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may that be my legacy. May that be the legacy of this congregation. Lead us in this moment to make the spiritual decisions you are whispering to our heart that we might truly bring honor and glory to you. That is our prayer in Jesus' name today. Amen. Let's stand together as the band plays. And as they sing, I'd like to ask you to grab your lyric sheet back out again. We're actually um, closing with what I would sometimes consider kind of an unconventional song for us to end on. We normally end with a slower, mellow, reflective song. We're going to close out the way we began the service with I Will Follow. But will you take a look at these lyrics? And as, as Dr. Chuck was preaching just now, these words just kept coming into my mind of what we were really singing. And I'm afraid that sometimes we sing through a song like this and we don't really catch what we're saying. But in the verse, this is a beautiful um, declaration of, of who God is. It says that all of your ways are good and we can trust you alone. It says that your sight is it far above anything that I think of or that I see? It even says that your perspective and everything about you is higher than my own life. And no matter how much I think about my own life and how important I feel like it is, 
God's life and God's plan and purpose is even higher. And then we will trust only him. And then are we really willing, are you really willing to declare wherever you go, wherever you lead me, God, that's where I'll go. Wherever you call me to move, I'll move there. Whoever you want me to love, I'm willing to love them. And even if I have to give up everything about my life that I hold dear, I will still follow you. That's pretty heavy for a fun, upbeat song that we started service with. But let's use that now at the end of service as our commitment to God, our promise to him, our reminder of how great and amazing he is too. to you in our declaration today that we will follow you our faithful God no matter where you lead us and no matter what you call us to it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray this morning amen